Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. We're continuing in our series entitled Followship. It is a study in the New Testament book of 2 Peter. Uh, we're learning more about what it means to follow Christ, and today we will talk about the importance of Scripture in our lives, not just on Sundays, but every day. And so as a part of uh, our message today, I'm inviting you to join uh, Cindy and me and our pastors in a study of God's Word this next week. One of the greatest tools that we have for a daily study of God's Word uh, is the Version Bible app, Y-O-U. If you're not familiar with that, it's a, an app that you can download for your smartphone or your tablet or device uh, or whatever. And if you'd like to know how to do that and how to join us in our study, then Pastor Seth Westmoreland is here to tell us how. If you don't already have the Uversion Bible app on your phone or tablet, that's why I'm here and I want to help you walk through the process, the steps, to get it onto your phone. If you have your phone, you can do it right now. Open up your app store. If it's on Google Play, if it's Amazon App Store, or like most of you, the iOS App Store. Now that you are inside the App Store, search Uversion or Bible. Typically, at the top of the search results, there will be an icon that looks just like this. Tap to download it. You may need to put in a password. Depending on your download speed, the app should appear on your device and you are ready to open it. So now that you have the Uversion app installed on your phone, let me show you how to easily get to the Bible reading plan that we'll be doing together this week. Get your camera phones ready because I'm going to give you two different ways and if you have your camera open, it's going to make it very easy. Point your camera to the screen wherever you are. If you're online, there's a link in the comments to where you can join with us that way or you can text the connect number. Text BIBLE to 281-343-3033. If you're in the room, hopefully you have pointed your camera at the screen and a link has popped up at the top. Click that link and you will go directly to the Bible app where you can accept the invitation and get ready to start the plan on Monday. We are all excited that you're going to join us for the plan starting tomorrow. Don't forget, tomorrow you can read along with Pastor Ed and the rest of us and join in in the comments. Please feel free. Whatever God is speaking to you in these moments during this plan study, share them with us in the comments. There's no wrong answers. And the beauty is it creates a community of people that are sharing and learning God's Word. Now, if you're wondering, what did he just say? <laughs> then email Pastor Seth. He's our resident genius for all things technologically. And uh, it, you can email him at seth, S-E-T-H, at m1bc.org. And uh, he'll walk you through that again. And we would love for you to join us in this study. And I hope that it will begin a, a pattern in your life if you're not already studying God's Word on a daily basis. Because when we think of the issue of fellowship. There are two questions in all of our lives that must be asked and answered. The first question is this, who will you follow? 
Who will you follow? Will, will you follow yourself through life, through your own uh, ideas, opinions, intuitions? Will, will you chart the, the course for your own life? Will you be your own master? Or will you follow Jesus Christ? And if you're here today in the room or watching online and you've never become a Christ follower, there's never been a time that you can point back to that you made a, a conscious, willful decision, open your heart, your mind, your will in faith to Jesus Christ and become his follower, then who will you by deciding to follow Jesus Christ and testify of that through your baptism? Uh, if you're here today and you've, you've already done that, then you remember your baptism. When we baptize people here at, at Magnolia's First, uh, we make a little video and they end that video by saying, I am a Christ follower. We even give them a t-shirt that says, I am a Christ follower. We want there to be no doubt. Your baptism is your public declaration of your faith and your commitment to follow Christ. And, and so most of us here today have done that. We can remember that time. For some of us, it was when we were children. For others of us, it was we, we were a teenager or an adult. But we remember that time when me, we made that decision and commitment to follow Christ. So if you have answered that first question, who will you follow by committing to follow Jesus Christ, then this second question becomes the relevant question for today. How will you know what he wants you to do? How will you know what he wants you to do? How will you know how to follow him? How will you know when he's saying to you, I am leading this way, follow me? How will you know? Uh, some of you may have gone through a study years ago by Dr. Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God. It's become a classic study for followers of Christ. And he made a statement in that study that is relevant to what I'm talking about today. Listen closely. It's a little long, but follow me. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, the circumstances of our lives, and the church to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. Now, indeed, God does speak through all of those things that Dr. Blackaby mentioned, but he was correct in putting the Bible first because of all the ways that God speaks to us to help us know how to follow him, God will never speak in contradiction to his word. He will never speak in contradiction to his word. Now, there are legitimate debates about what sections of the Bible means. Different groups of very sincere, earnest Christ followers have differences of opinion about how this passage or that passage ought to be interpreted related to secondary issues of faith. And that's not what we're dealing with today about different interpretations. What we're talking about today is the authority and the importance of God's Word. And we need to affirm and reaffirm that we believe in the truthfulness and the authority of God's Word because we are living in a time more than ever before in our lifetime when the reliability and the truthfulness and the authority of God's Word is being called into question by our culture. 
And let me give you an example to prove that. You may know that this past Thursday was the National Day of Prayer. And for the first time in 70 years, there was not an official observance by our nation's government in Washington, D.C. of the National Day of Prayer. The first time in 70 years. And that's just an indication that more and more our culture is gravitating away from a belief in God's Word. And there already is a great skepticism and criticism of the Word of God. And I'm not a prophet, but I'm prophesying this. It's going to get worse. And there's going to come a time when those who believe in the authority of God's Word and believe in the truthfulness of God's Word instead of what the culture has to say and think, there's going to be a time where we will be persecuted for that belief in one way or another. And this is a time for us to reaffirm our conviction, our belief that the Word of God is truth, completely true without any error, without any compromise, the Word of God is true. And to follow Christ means that we know, believe, and follow the Word of God. And Jesus said it clearly. Before we get to our main text for today, which is 2 Peter chapter 1, let me show you what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to look at several passages of Scripture today. If you have your own copies of the, the Word of God, feel free to, to, to go back and forth with me, but we'll provide all these verses on the screen from the New Living Translation. Here are Jesus' words, Matthew 7, beginning with verse 24. Listen to what Jesus said. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash." Jesus describes two different kinds of people. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like the person Jesus described as one who listens to his teaching and follows it. Listens to his teaching and follows it. Not just hears it and understands it, or even believes it's true, but actually incorporates it into their life. I want you to know what the philosophy of teaching Scripture and preaching is here at our church, just in case there's any question. The goal of preaching at Magnolia's First is not knowledge increase, it is life change. Now, do I want us to know more about Scripture? Yes, I do. But that's not the end goal. Scripture is meant to transform us into the image of Christ. And so our goal when we preach and teach the Word of God is not just that you would know more so your head would swell up with Bible knowledge. It is that your life and my life would change to align with and conform with the truth of the Word of God. And I believe that's how Peter felt 
about those early first century Christ followers that he pastored and taught. And so when we come to the book of 2 Peter, he's, he's using his last opportunity to speak to them spiritual truth, that which would become New Testament Scripture, because he believed that they needed it. And I believe we do too. So let's go to our main text, 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll begin where we left off last week with verse 12. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 12. Here's what the Apostle Peter said. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. He says, I've already taught you this, but I'm going to remind you again of this. Here's what I read from a commentary this week. Quote, preaching is reminding people of truth they already know. It is sometimes truth they have forgotten. Sometimes it's truth they are ignoring. Or sometimes it's truth they're unwilling to obey but reminding them. And so Peter says in verse 13, and it is only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. One of the blessings of a long-term pastorate such as the one that we've shared together is that you get to, to teach and reteach the Word of God. And so I, I pulled uh, out of a box in my closet this week uh, my old sermon notes from years past. And here's what I discovered. I first taught you Second Peter in 1993. I taught it again in 2011. I taught it in 2016 to the 5 o'clock Sunday afternoon worship crowd. And now I'm teaching it again in 2021. In fact, as I looked through all those old sermon notes, I found that I had taught you virtually every book in the New Testament over these years except for Revelation. I let other people teach that. But, but we need to be continually reminded, and, and if I should be your pastor for 50 more years, I won't be, but if I were to be, I could teach 2 Peter 20 more times, and we would never fully plumb the depths of spiritual truth in that or any other section of the Word of God. That's the nature of Scripture. And so uh, Peter is saying, I I've not come to the point where I go, well, taught you guys all I know. I'm done. He's saying that we need to, to be reminded because we're spiritually forgetful. So he says, I'm going to keep on reminding you as long as I live. Now for Peter, that was an interesting statement. Because scholars believe Peter wrote Second Peter from a prison in Rome in A.D. 67, just before he was executed by upside-down crucifixion. And so he knew he was very near the end of his ministry to them. And so he said, verse 14, For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. Now, I don't know how much longer I have on planet earth, nor do you. I don't know how many more years I'll have the privilege of being your pastor because none of us know the future, right? But here's what I do know. 
As Peter said, I'll spend every day I have with an opportunity to teach you, teaching you the Word of God and how it applies to life. Because what we are about is not studying some trivial subject. Peter said, verse 16, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he begins to recount something, so follow this. He said, We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter is saying, I experienced something that convinced me without any doubt who Jesus is. And so we're going to put a, a marker here in Second Peter. I want to take you back to the book of Matthew and show you the experience he was talking about. Go with me this time to Matthew 17. And I want you just to imagine this experience. Matthew chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. I want you to, to put yourself in that scene. Most of us, if we were on a, a mountaintop with Jesus and suddenly he began to radiate with the, the light and glory of heaven and then suddenly two Old Testament prophets that had been dead for centuries suddenly appeared and began to have conversation with Jesus, I think we would just be quiet and sit in awe. Not Peter. Peter was one of those guys that before his brain was in gear, his mouth was. And Peter speaks up, verse 4, Peter exclaimed, which means he shouted, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. It's like he's saying, excuse me for butting in, Old Testament heroes and son of God, but I've got something I need to say. I think we ought to have a party. I think we ought to build money, you know. And so his mouth is just going until, verse 5, but even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Let me ask you something. How do you think you would have responded if you heard the actual voice of God? Falling on the ground might have been the least of what I would have done. But then it says, verse 7, Then Jesus came over and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone. And they saw only Jesus. 
Peter was saying in 2 Peter chapter 1, that day changed my life. That day made me understand who Jesus is and that the Old Testament prophets who wrote so long ago were talking about him. That they did not speak their own ideas or opinions. They spoke the truth of God. He goes on in 2 Peter 1, beginning with verse 19. He said, because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns in Christ the morning star shines in your heart. He's trying to help them understand the power and, and the meaning and the truth in the Scripture. Verse 20, above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. He was talking about the Old Testament writers of prophets, the prophets, those who put together what God put on their heart as the Holy Spirit protected them from any error. And at the very time he was saying that, God was directing him to do the very same thing, to say what God put on his heart as the Holy Spirit protected him from writing anything that would not be the truth of God. So what we have, both Old Testament and New Testament, is more than just a book. It is the living Word of God. It is completely true. No matter what people's ideas or opinions or the culture or even the government might say, Scripture is truth. God's Word is truth. And its importance in your life, if you are truly a Christ follower, if you are serious about following Christ, the importance of Scripture cannot be overstated. It cannot be overstated. It is the foundation for following Him. Here's what the Apostle Paul said about Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16. Look on the screen. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. But hear me, it will only fulfill that role if we know what it says. And if we give it the authority that God says it is to have in your life. And too many professing Christians are interpreting Scripture by the ideas of the culture rather than interpreting the ideas of the culture by the Scripture. They've got their filter upside down. The Scripture is truth. The culture is going to change from generation to generation on what it thinks is true. And it is Scripture that is our standard. It is the authoritative Word of God to which we are 
to submit. Or, or let me put it this way, follow this statement. If one believes that Scripture is only a helpful book and not the authoritative Word of God, they have no spiritual foundation upon which to build their life. They are, in other words, building their house, their life, not on the bedrock of God's truth revealed through Scripture. They are building their life on shifting sand, and sooner or later, it will collapse. The Word of God revealed through the Holy Spirit is that solid rock. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes understanding what Scripture means and how it applies to life is difficult. It's not simple. Our lives are complex. There are some, some very clear black and white things in Scripture, but there are many things in which we have to understand the true meaning of Scripture, and, and we need wisdom of how to apply that, how to integrate that into our lives. But the good news is, Scripture says that wisdom is available. When we're not certain how Scripture applies to a certain situation or question or dilemma in life, and we need God's wisdom, it tells us, what to do. I take you to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. When you're in that kind of time of uncertainty and you're seeking to know God's truth about what it means to follow Him obediently, James says, verse 5, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. In other words, as a Christ follower, if you want guidance, if you want to understand how to apply biblical truth to some area of your life, he is ready to give you that wisdom. But there's a prerequisite. There's something that must be in place before you'll get an answer to your question. So look at verse 6. But when you ask him... Be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Let me explain that. In other words, if you are not committed to obey before you receive an answer, you'll never get one. If your heart is not submitted to the authority of God's Word, you will never get an answer as to how it applies. James goes on, such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Why? Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. In pastoring a church as long as I have, you will sometimes have the rare experience of a church member that is living in unquestioned public sin. And what the Scripture tells the leaders of the church to do is to go to that person in love, and there's a process in Matthew chapter 18 and Galatians chapter 6 that tells you the process and the spirit in which to do it. And, and the goal is to lovingly confront them with, with the goal of their repentance and return to fellowship with the Lord, the church, and in obedience to Scripture. 
Thankfully, I've not been called to be a part of those processes very often, but occasionally it has happened. And I can remember those circumstances in which I would go on behalf of the congregation and talk to that individual and as lovingly and gently as I knew how, try to show them where they were in uh, complete, obvious disobedience in this area of their life. And that we would encourage them to repent of that unquestioned sin and come back to obedience to the Lord and fellowship with the church. And thankfully, some of those times, their heart was tender and obedient and repentance happened and and it was a, a glorious time of restoration. But there have been a few times in which I've had that conversation and that person would look at me and say, Pastor, I understand what you're saying. And I see what God's Word says, and I know that I'm in disobedience in a way that everybody else knows too, but I'm going to do it anyway. And in those times, a pastor affirms their love for them and walks away with a broken heart because they've chosen not to submit to the authority of the Word of God. I pray none of us will ever come to such a time as that. So, what am I challenging you to do with this truth? Three quick next steps that we are done. Number one, three words. Number one, submit. Submit. As a Christ follower, decide today to follow Him by submitting to His Word in all areas of your life. Say to him, Lord, whatever, the, whatever the, the question is, my answer to you is yes. Whatever it is you're telling me to do, I will do it. Submit to him. It begins with the heart and the will. Number two, learn. You cannot obey what you do not know. Somebody said this years ago, dusty Bibles lead to dirty lives. <laughs> Become a student of the Word of God. That's why we're challenging you to join us for this study this week. It's just five days. It it may take five or ten minutes at most of of your time. And if you don't do technology, just open your Bible. Read a chapter of the New Testament a day. It's, It's not hard. But study the Word of God. Spend more time in the Word of God than you do watching the news or sports or whatever else might catch your interest. Learn. And then the third word is apply. The Word of God is not meant just to build up knowledge. The Word of God is meant to be applied. Be submissive to what you learn. Let the Lord change your life. And can I tell you that no matter how old you get, the Lord still works on your heart. He still works on your heart and shows you how to become more like Jesus. The Word of God is so important in your life and mine because God's Word is life's only sure foundation. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the Word of God. You didn't just tell us to to follow You and then not leave us without instruction, but You gave us Your Word Lord, help us to become not only students of your word, help us to fall in love with scripture, to let it touch our hearts 
where we will see your great love for us over and over and over, and we will see those guardrails of spiritual protection that you put in your word for us. And that the instruction in your word is not to take joy out of life, it is to put joy in our lives. Because there is no greater joy than walking with you in faithful obedience. Thank you for each of these that have come today to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I hope you'll stop by the hospitality room. Would love to give you a gift. Have a great Mother's Day.